0: Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Episode 65. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor. Today I'm joined by Rob Alvarez and he's from the Professor Game podcast Um, and his input his insights and and his passion is all about gamification and and how it's really aiding and abetting children to really be engaged in hands-on with education and I'll let him describe exactly what his background is and and what he's really keen and passionate about so Rob welcome to the podcast thank you very much for the invitation Mark I am very pleased to be here and to, to meet your audience fabulous so Can you first give us a bit of a background about about your sort of education background and how you got involved in in the gamification world and, and how that sort of developed into a podcast for us?
1: For sure. Um, I'm going to try, try to cut it short as much as I can. It's a it's a story that starts when I was back when I was like nine. I was playing video games at Nintendo and, you know, there was this Nintendo magazine. And I said, oh, how amazing would it be to work in a magazine and, you know, play like 80 percent of the time and then 20 percent of the other time just write about what you were playing. So that was my dream as a, as a kid. Of course, as usual, you grow up, <laughs> you, <yes. laughs> you get a job, you study, etc. cetera. Um, I was a well, I am. A, I studied computer Engineering or computer science depends on how you <laughs> translate the, the the title I have um, Then I did an MBA. I got started. I, I I went through several different areas in 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 Life and I got very very passionate about education and the impact that it has on on people because I I come from Venezuela I'm, I'm from Latin America and the reach of education in, in larger parts of Latin America is that many people don't even have the capacity to get formal education. So you can see that when a school is opened in, a, in an area that didn't have a school, the impact is, is incredible. It's amazing. And it changes people's lives and it gets people, gets kids out of outside of crime or a future life that could be in crime and drugs and, and, and these bad things. And I realized how powerful it can, it can get to be. And this combined, it got together when I moved to Spain, I started working. I work at a business school at IE Business School, where we are creating. In my department, we create learning interactive materials. Uh, we call them interactive, engaging learning materials, and it all got together. I, I realized that there was this this thing going on called gamification, and and it's all about. Learning things from from this the all these games that now it's it's a very huge industry the video game industry But it's not only about the video game industry It's about the games that have been going on for centuries and how people have been designing this game these games because If you think about it a game in itself doesn't have a purpose. You don't play a game to to be smarter You don't play a game in general uh, or at least up until now you don't play a game to improve your professional career you don't play a game you play a game because you want to because it makes you feel good and what i've i've come to realize and they've been applying this to, to many areas uh, including education but for me it's it's especially powerful and I was talking the other day to to a, a teacher from Canada and he was saying that he, he and I completely agree that there is an engagement crisis in education in many places that it's not only about sitting there and, and being able to dump information into people. Into into kids into into the students. It's also about them actually learning something from that process, and, and that's something that I, I I'm convinced and I've I've seen how education is is very capable of of solving. Because when you have somebody engaged with the activity, then the activity is learning. They it's for sure that they can they can learn a lot more. And while all of this got together, all these things, uh, as I was saying, I started working in education. I started working in gamification in education. And after some time, I I wanted to to increase the impact of what I was doing and and actually start reaching more people. And I realized that the as in games and this is something as well that you can learn from games, uh, from modern games and video games and mobile games. The best way to reach other people is certainly not marketing. Um, It includes marketing. But the best way is to reach other people through other people. So (laughs) the idea of multiplying your message through other people. And and if you if you're capable of, of Training other people to do all the the things that we're doing at, at the business school of, of using gamification to engage your students Instead of making more ourselves and and this is this is my personal passion This is not about the, the IE uh, about my work at IE this is some, a, a personal project I said, well, how can I personally increase the impact and it's not creating more materials because you have so much time it's about getting inspiring other people to be able to create all these amazing things that that we do and that and the amazing things that they're capable of doing and completely different with different areas of expertise different levels and and that's what it basically inspired me to, to get into into the into the podcast and I've been having a, a wild ride and having all these experts and people from education that that give us incredible insights about how ga- gamification can can change the way that we see education.
0: I think what I always find amazing about the whole gaming world is, you know, having seen children in our, in or well, our children grow up through that, through our house, it's, um, Like you say you never have to say oh can you just go and play a bit more (laughs) it's that kind of everything you'd want a child to be like in school while they're learning they do completely naturally while they're at home doing the gaming you know they 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 want to improve they want to engage they want to do it more and more often they're trying to they're happy to sit and learn the skills they need to get to the next level they're using all sorts of um, brain function to kind of work out where to go and what to do and how to do it and there's no teaching involved you know they're they're teaching themselves and they're just over and over and over with the repetition getting better and better and better and then you sort of you sort of come back a week or two later and they're suddenly about 400 percent better than they were the time before when you saw them do it (laughs) and you just think you know if that engagement is possible in a form then why are we not using it for everything and I guess that's the essence of of what you're passionate about and why you're passionate about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, we there. there's two things that some people some people get very academic about, you know, this is gamification and this is game based learning and these are games and they're separate things. And to be honest, I'm not I'm not very passionate about I mean, I, I know titling and and tagging things is important, but I, I, I don't think that splitting it into separate different categories is a fundamental thing. I, I do think that there's, as you were saying, um, kids, you don't need to tell a kid, please play a bit more. I mean, don't stop playing so soon um what parents tend to say is and and I got this, told this like more than once for sure is i mean you need to stop playing and go outside and play some more so so that that all those learnings that you can get from from how the games engage the kids and not only the kids i mean if you look at the, the gaming profile nowadays the people who play mobile games etc it's increasingly more adults, and it's increasingly more women, which is it was another paradigm that we used to have. That it's oh, it's male gamers and all these dudes, et cetera. That's not the case anymore. But anyways, get, getting getting back to what you you were saying, there's two things. I mean, we talk a lot about grit in education and about learning through failure and you know learning how to fail and understanding that fail is not final. But and this is something I I, I always get, I try to get into this when I talk about education and it, and it's about the way that we grade the students. Uh, are are we encouraging them to be able to to try new things to to fail and to recover from their failures? Isn't the way that we actually use grades incentivizing them to to you know have all this pressure and they cannot commit any mistakes and they are actually focused on maybe memorizing some stuff rather than learning? So so those kind of questions are the ones that I say, well, what what if we started, and I know it's complex, I know there's many things involved, I know education is a system, and systems are complex, and there's many moving parts, but what if we start moving instead of towards grading them in the traditional ways, and, you know, having a high-pressure exam, and these kind of things where they have all this pressure, and that it's a fail or pass kind of situation, what if we start seeing them in their journey of learning and let them fail a bit learn from that failure and move on and understand that they failed in that and and they will try again until they make it right and and that's actually what they learn this is a trait that they learn in games how many times do you have how many lives do they spent in in, in, in how they spent in in a game to pass a difficult level How many times do they do they just let themselves get, you know, whether it's it's a violent game and get killed or do they fall from the cliff or whatever it is that they until they make it? What if instead of of doing all these things, they were learning something that was exciting to them? Because it's easy to forget that learning can actually be a fun, exciting experience because we we. In a way, this might sound terrible, and I know it's it's a generalization. But sometimes what we do is we put the school in the middle of their learning instead of them of the school helping them learn more. It becomes a, 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 a sort of a barrier, and what they have to do is you know these standardized tests and these things that are the things that they've always done. What if we do it through gamification? What if we take all these learnings, all these keys that we've seen from games, and I mean, I, I was I was writing a blog post, which will probably come up um, where at the end of February, it's pro- January. It's probably going to come up up the early February. And I was talking about a game that I've I've tested out because of one of my guests. And one of the things that is amazing about that game and many other mobile games do the same is, you know, they have these energy levels and that you can only play so much. And when you spend it, what they want, I mean, because these are businesses, what they want is for you to spend some more money for you to continue playing. Or you have to wait so that's that's a game technique that's called a torture break (laughs) what does a torture break uh, do it it gets you to think all the time about the next time you'll be able to play so what if instead of thinking when will I be able to play this zombie apocalypse game again because I have no more energy left they are thinking about when am I going to be able to do the next experiment in science what if we use these strategies these techniques and, and this is something that we've seen being used i i've i've been to there's there's a, a few not too many but there's a few gamification conferences around the world and i've gone to a couple and one of them that impressed me massively was this this spanish nun the, 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 her speech was in spanish even though the the conference was in english but her message was so powerful that they let her come they had somebody translate i'm, I'm not exactly sure how it, it, the logistics went, but she was talking about how they were using this nun. I mean, that you would think, oh, the most traditional people are these religious schools, etc. So this nun was using gamification and all these ideas, and you could see the pictures of the kids, and it was incredible. I mean, it, it sounds like a, a small thing, but I, I see it as, as huge, as massive. You could In the pictures, you saw the kids. You know, normally you have all the kids sitting down in their desks, working on something or paying attention or falling asleep, whatever it is they're doing in their desks here they were all gathered around something that was going on because it was an exciting story that they created around this learning objective and they didn't even take off their backpacks they were so excited when they they came into the classroom that they rushed into this desk to to, for them everybody to be able to see and to to see the next clue and the next thing that they were going to do so this i think this is a very powerful image of what you can achieve when you think about the children instead of thinking before what it is that you want to teach. Of course, you have to to teach something and you have to bear that in mind. But you also have to think about what the kids are expecting. What are the emotions that are are involved? How can you actually design your, your class to engage them? Because in the end, the education is not for for us to feel good about what we're doing, it's for the kids to learn. And when we put them in the first place, it, it can have an incredible an incredible effect, and many of your listeners I I'm sure that are super passionate about education and and have their learners first and top of mind. I'm sure you're 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 doing this in a way. What I would like to invite you all is to 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 listen to to podcasts, read books, and and get a bit in, into the vibe of gamification and, and ch- at least check it out to see if it, it resonates with you. You don't have to be a gamer. Of course it helps um but you don't have to be a gamer you don't have to be a game designer to understand these things and there's there's amazing people there's amazing books there's amazing blogs i mean i i started my journey in gamification completely for free i mean i didn't pay a single cent until i decided i wanted to um and that's when i became a bit more advanced of course but getting started and, and getting the, your 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 feet wet into the into these waters is something that everybody can do and I mean, uh, this podcast specifically, um, I'm very keen on,
0: um, we we can talk a lot about what we think education should be and how it could be so different, mm. um, but I'm really keen on what people are doing already as an example, and, and that um, example you said uh, of the nun and the way they were using it. So through your, your, your guests and your experience, what, what type of ways are, are is gamification and actual get specific games even actually being taught in some schools that you've come across?
1: um th- one of my the guests the, actually the one that's up this week is professor a te- is a teacher his name is scott hebert and he's the one i mentioned before from from canada he he has an i, I like him very much as an example because he's a, he's a teacher um i also interview people who are experts in gamification but this guy he's a teacher who implemented gamification in his classroom and he literally has his he, he's a science teacher and his whole classroom is, is has a decor i mean it's a medieval theme so everything in the classroom he tries to make it look medieval and you you get into it and of course if you're extremely traditional in the education sense you get in there and you say well these people are not learning they're playing around i mean there there's a bunch of kids doing something here there's a, another bunch of kids doing something else around because they have different types of days and they they do things at their at their rhythm they have choice which is something that that we we easily forget how powerful it can be to engage the the kids. If they give them choice. I mean, he says, well, we have to do all of these things. These are all the missions and all the quests that you're going to have to do. All the people that you have to engage with. These are all the things that you have to to do, and they they'll keep on discovering things as, as they do it. But it's up to you how you do it. I mean, you can you can have, uh, and he called it blowing off some steam because sometimes the kids just have a bad day. And from a from a mental health perspective, you can even think like, oh, well, they actually need to, to blow off some steam and they're and I am doing air quotes here. They're goofing around and that and that's OK. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're not going to do what they have to do. That doesn't mean they won't do the experiments that they have to do. That doesn't mean that they, w- they won't go around and learn with their science class. So I thought that this example was very, very powerful and you can, you can learn that he has a blog, he has a YouTube, he has, he has a book as well. There's many things that we can learn from that kind of, of, of person who is doing that. I've also interviewed people like, um, Sylvester Arnab. He's doing this, the similar things, but for the university settings, uh, he's doing extremely interesting projects for, for, for universities. He's from Coventry university. Uh, they have a. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember the name of the lab that they have, but they are experimenting with games, gamification, hybrids, uh, hybrid solutions that, that are digital and non-digital. Uh, there's there's like a huge universe of things that you can do. But one thing that I, I, I because you said well maybe what's one thing that we can we can specifically take and uh, to be honest right now I don't I haven't seen like a, a, an app or something similar that you can just grab it and use it. I've heard a lot about Minecraft. Um, uh classcraft, which apparently is is amazing. I have to confess I haven't been into it enough to to give my opinion about it. And I have a I have a, one of my, actually one of my guests also has a, a, a similar a software that has a similar solution. it's it's called Blue Rabbit class and it's actually also free for for teachers if you want to use it to gamify your class. And he has all these explanations about how you can use his experience and his software to implement it in your own classroom. And and that's a fundamental message here because every classroom is different. Every class is different. And one thing that we that we stress a lot in, in gamification is, well, that's actually two things. The first one is to always start with your objective in mind. What's your objective? Why do you want to gamify? Because normally, if especially in a class, you've probably given the class like a, a traditional or a regular class before. So why would you want to include gamification into your class? Why would you want to gamify that session or that class or the whole your whole subject? Why do you want to do that? And normally the answer comes in the form of I want to have students that are more engaged. I, I want to have students learning better. I, there, there's many things that you can think there. So that's the first thing. And the other thing is to think of your your players and your players are your students. And of course. Different places, different cultures, different levels in education have different players, different students. And, and those two things are, are things that are very important to consider when you're designing your, your, your classroom, when you're saying, well, what I want to do in my classroom is have a medieval theme or I want to have a theme around music because I'm very musical. Or, and that's what I'm passionate about as a, as a, as a teacher. So always start with something that you are able to be passionate about and something you, you, you like, because if, if you hate the whole medieval theme, there's no point in in trying to make a medieval class for, for your students because you're not going to enjoy it. And, and that's something that will, that will show. So, so my, my first piece of advice is that to, to make sure that, that you, you think about those two things when you are, when you're creating your own, your own class.
0: I think actually, like you say, being authentic and actually being yourself in a classroom is the most important thing, isn't it? Because that gives you the engagement with the children as well. And you can, you know, as a... I mean it's a partnership isn't it I mean the the best classes are a partnership between the teacher and the students and so to actually be able to be learning things together and I I love that whole idea of the space that you talked about there and the fact that if you've got an objective and you've got an amount of time for these objectives to actually be achieved it just takes that like you said takes the pressure away and it kind of changes the whole atmosphere rather than we're going to sit here for half an hour and we're going to write about this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that because you know we're all individuals and it might be that this next half an hour a time when I really can't think about anything because, like you say, I I need to chill out or or go and do something else. But I know that over the course of this day or next day or this week, if depending on how far um, ahead you set the objectives, um, you've really got time for everyone to come together. And as long as you've got those boundaries, and I always think with teachers, if you if you can really see the goal that you want to achieve and you can see where you want to go and you you give um, solid enough boundaries to say but this is what we can do and what we can't do but within that you've got a lot of freedom i think you get the best of both worlds really
1: yeah absolutely and and again um i've had different guests talk about very different perspectives they have there there's people who have frameworks there's Experts who have dedicated their lives as consultants of gamification. I mean, there's literally people living of dedicating their lives to, to, to doing gamification, to, to products, to companies, to marketing, to employee engagement, to, to education, to, to many areas. And precisely what I what I the objective that I have with the podcast that we were saying before is to inspire others. And since my personal passion is education, that's what I what I wanted to focus the, the the gamification podcast about. It's not just about any any gamification. It's about how we can implement these examples, these things, how we can take the experience of other people who've been doing it and use it into our own classroom. And then and, and that personalization of what you're doing is it's fundamental. I mean, y- y- you can't have, as as you were saying, you have to be authentic. I-, I think that's completely crucial.
0: And what do you think is the is the future of education from that point of view? Do you think um, gamification is something which will become more integral to to how education develops, um, or do you think it is just something that a, a few people will think is a good idea and, and bring in, but actually the system I know it's going to take a long time to change, if indeed it is going to change. But it's um. Do you think it will become as mainstream as maybe some of us might
1: hope? Um, I, we've talked about this, and not only in education. I think that in the long term, um, education uh, gamification might not continue as a term. Uh, it might start getting included into many areas and into many things, and it might not be called. Gamification there are some people who have like allergies to that term because they say oh if you're you're using games and gamification You're not being serious and you're not learning or or this is a serious company or whatever it is You're doing and some people like have a bit of an allergy in general This has been dropping a bit the the resistance, but it might be called that or other things and there's many things that we're already doing around that Um, In general project-based learning is something that takes into account that maybe not maybe that's not the way it developed but if you if you analyze it from a gamification perspective, there's many things that are incorporated into project-based learning that are coming in if you see it again from that perspective that, that come from the learnings of games and there's if you use in your class uh, I always use the, the history example because um, when I was when I was in school I hated I absolutely hated history <laughs> And now I'm trying to catch up with all the things I didn't learn because I was just Focused on memorizing it to get over the test and, you know, get it done with. Um, I'm trying to catch up because I love history now. There's a a podcast I started listening to called Memoir, which talks about, and, and I think it's a fabulous example of something you can do even without explicitly using gamification about how you can use fun and how... The storytelling can be something that you use and and it might not be exactly precisely, historically, completely precise in some things because they have dialogues and they have things and it's impossible to know what Alexander the Great said to his father or what, what to his to his assistant or whatever. But using all that storytelling of getting people engaged into it, what is the result when you when you have a podcast like that one? And when you listen to history from that kind of perspective, and I'm just using it as an example, there's there's many others, you actually get people to get excited about the topic. I mean, if somebody w- was to hate history like I did initially, and I got into it through another lens, instead of telling me, you know, the 9th of October of 1942, this guy did this and that, and going to the test and having to say the 9th of October, <laughs> that's something that it doesn't have a story it doesn't have a way of me understanding it deeper and better so that i can actually learn so in games you, the objective of the game normally is to go from point a to point b the easiest way would be just to draw a line and that but that wouldn't be a game that wouldn't be exciting so what do you do you have a, a normally well not all games do but many games have a story around it and you start getting into the characters there are in the story and you start loving them or hating them or appreciating what they do or, or, or starting to you know know that they secretly are planning something or that they want to save the world and nobody knows or, or that they were the normal person and then, that now they're saving the world. I mean all these things that are, are into a story and they go into movies, games and, and many many, many other places. How about that be used? In history for example and again I, I come back to that example because it, it's it's deep for for my heart and it was something I I didn't fail ever <laughs> at school thank god but it was something that I could have I'm sure I could have learned a lot more from and I could have been a lot more passionate about and even who knows I might have even majored in something else instead of <laughs> of engineering if I if I had been more passionate about history uh, and I think what that really shows is the fact that it because you like it now, it
0: probably wasn't history. It was the thing that you didn't like. It was just the way well, it was. Sure. <laughs> it, it, it was the way it was being taught. It was it was the thought process of oh my god, this is now what I've got to do, and this is what my next lesson is going to look like. You know, this is where we're heading, and I can't bear the whole thing. And and that really does come down, like you say, to the teacher and, and and exactly the way that you actually um, teach it and and you bring it across and how you how you bring these things alive. And uh, <laughs> there was a, a an interesting. Um, thing that um, our son said that, um earlier I think it must have been this week or maybe it was last week and they were they were in a, a science lesson and they were talking about how hot the filament is in a in a bulb and um and it's Oh it's really hot and then I think he took took like an old fashioned sort of um chalkboard rubber that you'd have for a blackboard um and somehow managed to um take this bulb away and it literally just sliced the thing in half <laughs> and <laughs> And at that point it's kind of now I'm really getting this you know because what I can see how hot it is I can't believe it's done that and also you're not just telling me we can see it you know this is an integral part of what I'm learning and it's you know it, it just brings the whole thing to life because like I say it's real it's got a story and and it just makes it the, the thing that you want to be learning and, and a place that you want to go because you don't know what's going to happen next week or the week after you just know it's going to be something which is something you want to attend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's also uh, something else that, that just came to my mind while you were, were saying that, of course, there's a lot of information that we that we provide in, in schools that is useful. Some people might argue that some of them is not useful, et cetera. You can you can get into that discussion very easily. But beyond that, you can say, well, um, he's going to remember not maybe not the temperature where that where that uh, where, where that happens or the temperature of the filament. But he will remember that you can cut something very 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 thick and very strong just using the filament yeah because it's so ridiculously hot and the the useful part unless you're going to to create filaments for your life or to create the new filaments and mm-hmm. in, in which case you'll have to learn many other things but the useful thing for your life if you don't follow that path is that you have to be careful that that's very very hot yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean it's it's making the information useful for for the for the person and also, the
0: other thing that I find from a, a, a specific gaming point of view, having sort of watched children do it in teams in groups and pairs and that kind of thing, is the whole, it's that teamwork element, isn't it? Having a shared goal and trying to work out the solutions to these puzzles and and, and the way they're very generous with the, what they've learned as well often. It's that kind of, oh, if you go here and if you find this and if you look under here and there's a back door here and all that kind of thing, it's not about what I've learned and I'm going to keep it to myself because I want to be better than you. It's just an, an open sharing which is integral really to especially sort of the workforce of tomorrow because it's all about that kind of how can we work together how can we work in teams how can we solve a solution how can we just you know use our basic human needs and, and human skills because that's we don't know what the problems of the future are going to be so we need the, the actual skills of what's involved in that rather than like you said just the imported knowledge that you can actually these days find out just from a google search oh, or absolutely or, or from going anywhere else you know
1: yeah and I mean once again as as you were saying the information can be found anywhere. I mean it's not like 200 years ago that just having access to that book and having read that made you have, you know, 95% advantage over the rest of the world because you knew that. That's that's no longer the case. So why are we teaching the same way that we we used to teach 200 years ago? That that's a big question. And I'm not saying that that because it's bad it's it's wrong. All I'm saying is have we thought about what we might need to change because things are changing that that's, that's the deep reflection. I, I would like to leave there in, in the sense of education. And, and a, another thing I would like to add is, is the, what you were, we talking about the, the social aspect. And this is something that's definitely a, a a key lesson that I've taken from games. I I'm not exactly the social gamer that that me, many people that many people that are, you know, strong gamers are. I'm not, I'm not a strong gamer myself. I'm, I am just play occasionally, but I'm not the kind of person who's very much into playing very socially. But I do realize the power that it has. And when you when you have all these guilds and all these people collaborating to reach an objective, what is more like to the workplace and to the what they're actually going to find outside the world than the importance of working in teams, learning from other people, incorporating other people's feedback, being able to work with them, even though I mean, I've seen very few workplaces that are absolutely perfect and you don't have a difficult coworker. That you have to deal with and that's exactly what you have to deal with when you do when you do something with your with your teammates in 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 school so that that part as well of the social learning and helping each other out and even mentoring people that could be even in your same class but there might be this kid who's like super good in math and can help the other kids uh, understand math better and all the I mean there's there's so there's so much power that we can we can take from that from the social learning from including the the the, the possibility and, and and that's another example. I was talking about history previously, but what about if in math the thing was not whether or not you got the answer correct the first time, but whether or not you're able to reach the correct answer, which is in the end what you need to do in, in, in the in the workplace. You'd have to be able to reach the final solution to whatever it is you're trying to solve. What if we gave them the opportunity to do it over and over again? Wouldn't they actually learn from that? And I'm not what's trying to be unfair here with teachers, because I know that there's many things that you have to do when you have to correct the test, for instance. So I'm not I'm not taking it on the and the teacher and the teacher himself or herself. So but but when you have a test, you have to grade the test and they get the, the feedback maybe one, maybe two weeks later. What do they do with that feedback? They're not going to be tested on the same thing again. Chances are very low. Um, they probably forgot what they were, what they were tested on by that time. They probably forgot what, why they were mistaken around that. So the thing of instant feedback and getting them to be able to do it over again and say, oh, I got it wrong. Can I do it again? Why don't we let them do it again? Why don't we let them succeed at the second, at the third, at the fourth attempt? I mean, what's wrong with that? I'm not saying if, if we follow the traditional guidelines, of course, we have to put a limit to that. But why, why don't we change the way these traditional guidelines are, are, are going on to let them try again? Not, not just for the grade, because, again, the grade must not be the objective for, for, for the students. It must be to learn. So why don't we let them learn freely? I mean, allow them that opportunity to actually learn yeah I mean there are a couple of things there
0: which which just struck me one one is the fact that um one other thing which would be incredibly helpful for the the students would be that um that's really great that you've managed to work it out and you've managed to find an answer. How many other people in the class or the people that you're working with, or maybe a different class, can you help explain that to who haven't managed to work it out yet? Because then not only have they found out the answer, but they're then having to then think about how they would then explain it and teach it to someone else, either their peer or maybe someone slightly younger um and and so they're having to rethink of the whole thing again in in a different way you know and and being able to bounce those ideas off of everybody and actually just see it in a slightly different way to still get the same objective is an incredibly skillful thing which is going to really help you um in, in the in the years to come I'm sure and um and the second thing was was the fact that um today I've been teaching drums in a school and um and I say it week in week out to everybody it's that why do you expect to be able to get it right the very first time that you do it <laughs> um you know we're, we're, we're teaching coordination we're trying to strengthen your pathways we're trying to um really help our coordination in something you've never done before you know i'm more interested in about supporting each time that you do it right, and you find a way to be able to do it right again and again and again, so then it becomes second nature. That we can then introduce something else and go off on a slightly different tangent. That way, we're going to be learning and growing. And as long as you understand what's going on, you can then start to teach yourself. Which means that my job is done. Then you know, and um, and surely from an education point of view, you know, unless you want to be an education for your entire life, we just need to be supporting them to find out how to learn, how they learn individually as well, which is what. I liked about having the scope to be actually sort of explore your ideas and find where you're going, and and then just be effectively released to sort of go for what it is that you want, whether it's a certain academic subject or a certain way of learning or a certain career that you want, and just be sort of left to fly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and just a, a final example. Another one of my my guests was was recently talking about. How he's a gamification consultant, so he does it in in many areas, but he was talking about how when he when he reaches a client, he says, well, one of the things that we do is we give them a workshop on how to do gamification to the users, the people who are actually going to use the software or whatever it is solution that we're creating. And we get them to design the initial things. What about we do this kind of thing in education? And as you were saying, what about if teaching the next generation depends on the current generation? Of students that you have i mean what if say you're you're giving fifth graders a class what if the people that are right now in fourth grade will get the class or will get um the their, their class according to the advice that you have received from your current fifth graders what about if we involve them in the process of creating the class and of course they understand themselves i mean they, they see the world they see their their friends they know what they're motivated by there's many things that they can help you in in that process of co-creation maybe you're not going to go all in and change the whole thing from day one. But what if you start making small tweaks? Or maybe the next session you see that there's something that there's this student who already knows how, how to do all these things, and you ask him, "Well, how would you teach this this subject? What would you do?" And get them, in, and you get two things from that. The first one, of course, is that student will learn. Exponentially more because he when you when you think about how you have to teach it to somebody else That's a profound learning process and that's that's been proven in many in many studies But the second thing that you get is that that the teaching that learning that way that method that is used the examples that he might be Using are a lot closer to the audience and because we have to face it even the youngest teachers are 10 15 20 years 30 years away from the age of the people that we're teaching so there's many generational things that we might not be able to Catch even if we try really hard and I know that the professor, professors and teachers do a great job at, at Relating to to their students, but there's always things that are going to escape us for sure So why not have the help of the experts in that sense? So, I think- as you were saying, I think that's that's fundamental and that's actually fabulous. Yeah, I think I
0: think it's, it's great, and 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 I find that quite exciting. I can sort of, I could see almost like a whole term or years worth of work just as an experiment, just to see, like you say rather than just changing the whole system but just how can i just do this here how can i just do that there in this scenario how can i do those small tweaks and gamification isn't about right what i'm going to do is i'm going to bring in 30 nintendos and we're going to sit around and play all day <laughs> <laughs> you know it's understanding exactly what's involved and and, and being able to incorporate that and, and i think that's a fantastic a fantastic idea for um just exciting and inspiring children for the future so rob thanks so much it's been really great chatting to you can you um just give us some the best way to contact you and the best way for them to listen to your podcast so that they can learn even more about this really interesting subject
1: oh well, that's that's fantastic. Thank you very much um, again, thank you for for inviting me to this to this interview um the the best way to, con- to contact with me is where I'm most active is on Twitter. So my name Rob Alvarez B. Um, you, you, I, you'll, I, I'm guessing that will be in the show notes, but anyways, you can also see it on my, on the webpage. It's professorgame.com. You'll see there all of the, the episodes. If you want to go specifically only to the podcast episodes, you can do slash podcast, or if you want to listen to it on your favorite app to, for listening to podcasts, such as education on fire. Um, you can also find it on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. I, I've recently submitted it to iHeart, Spotify. I mean, I'm trying to be in every single platform available. But if you go to ProfessorGaming.com, you'll see you'll see the main outlets that we have over there.
0: That's fantastic and and, as Rob said, yes, if you go to educationonfire.com dot com and just search for Professor game in the search bar, um the show notes will pop up and um and we'll have all those links and everything for you just to literally one click through to to find everything that you need so brilliant Rob, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a really interesting discussion, and I'm sure we're going to have more in the future because I can feel that we're we've got a shared passion for this which um which has got some legs still to run.
1: For sure, for sure. Just feel free to, to to let me know if there's anything we I can do for you. Um I there there's many things that that, uh, that can be available in the in the in the web page in the future for for people to to create materials. I'm I'm working on some things to offer for free for you to create your own gamified materials, for you how to gamify your first class, et cetera. So those are things that will be available for for you, of course, and for for your audience whenever they want to they want to reach out.
0: That's great. Lovely. Thanks so much